we are going to be in Psalm 67 today. Psalm 67, we're going to look at the whole psalm. So I'm going to read the first seven verses, uh, the only seven verses. So go ahead and stand with me if you would, and I'll read the scripture. We'll pray, and then we will get started, okay? May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, that your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Father, make this true. God, this is our prayer this morning. God, that you would show us grace. God, that you'd pour out your riches upon our life. God, that you would bless us, that you would make us fortunate and satisfied and happy in your presence. God, that you would shine your face upon us, that you would reveal your character. Show us who you are, God, in deeper and greater ways. God, I pray that all of this, God, would send us out like a rocket to our neighbors and to our town and to our state and to our city and to our, our nation and to the world, God. I pray, Father, that your ways would be known, that your, your saving power would be seen. God, we, uh, we ask, God, make us tellers, make us proclaimers. Give us joy in that. In Jesus' name, amen. So y'all know that the Psalms are either Psalms, they're either songs, I'm sorry, or they are prayers, okay? So in a very real way, the Psalms teach you how to sing and they teach you how to pray. They teach you what you ought to sing about and what you ought to pray. And so how fantastic is it that the Bible is teaching us to pray in this way, okay? So, so basically, here's, here it goes. So verse 1 tells you, here's how you ought to pray. God would you be gracious to us? Okay, would you be gracious to me? All right, and what, what is gracious? What is grace? Grace is God's riches, okay? God's favor, his power, his love, his mercy, his, his resources, all right? So, so right away, the psalmist looks up into heaven and says, God, would you pour out your resources upon me, all right? And then he goes even further. And God, he says, God, would you bless us? Now, if you remember back from Psalm 1, about a month ago when we started this series, we, we saw what the word blessed means, right? Psalm 1 tells you how to be the blessed man. It means to be fortunate. It means to be satisfied. It means to be happy. It means to be filled up, to be fulfilled, okay? So, so the psalmist says, God, would you pour out your grace, pour out your riches, give us your mercy, give us your kindness, give us your resources, and then God, give us satisfaction, give us fulfillment, give us great joy in you. And then he goes one step even further, and he says, God, would you make your face to shine upon us? In other words, God, would you, would you reveal yourself personally to us? Would you, would you show us your smile? Would you smile down in favor and, and, and in happiness and in joy upon our lives? Now, let me, let me just stop right there and say, how awesome is it that we get to pray that way? I mean, how, how, this is the God of the universe that we're coming to. The God, the God who created all things. The God who we have rebelled against. The God who we've sinned against. The God who we've discarded 
and, and, and turned away from and transgressed his commands and ruined his world. And it's this God who invites us to pray this way. Now, how can that even be possible? How can you, you as an enemy of God, come to him and say, hey, bless me. Hey, pour your riches out on me. Hey, give me your favor. Hey, smile down on you. How can we even do that? And the answer to that, you guys already know the answer. The answer to that is the gospel, right? The answer to that is that God has made a way for us to be in his favor. God has made a way through sending his own son to live the life that you and I haven't lived and then to die a death on the cross in our, in, uh, on our behalf to pay the penalty for our sin that his righteousness, that as we're joined to Jesus by faith, his righteousness would be put into our account and now we can be right with God. And now, as Psalm 67 teaches us, we can come and pray, God, would you bless us? God, send down your favor. God, send down your riches. God, send down your resources. God, send down your face. God, Fill us with your blessing. Okay, we are able to do that through the gospel. But let me ask you this. What is this prayer for, okay? It's really important. Is this the kind of prayer that says, God, give me your riches so I can be comfy? God, give me your, your blessing, God, so that, that I can have luxury and prosperity. God, give me your, give me your blessing so that I'll, I'll be without anxiety, so that I won't have anything to worry about, so that I can sit down with an endless sack of Doritos and just coast through life until I, I die a nice, you know, easy death in my sleep, and then you take me to heaven. Is, is that what this prayer is about? God, shine down your greatness. Send us your riches so that I can cruise out slowly in my life and really do nothing for anybody or, any, or you or anything else and just get, grow old in a nice, peaceful way at my cabin in Branson. You know, Is that what this is about? Absolutely not. Okay? There's an incredibly important word that we must pay attention to in the text. It's at the beginning of verse 2. It's the word that. Okay? So when you ask for great things, it's important what the that is, okay? So God, bless us. Give us your riches. Shine your favor down on us. That what? See, the rest of that sentence is, is pretty important, okay? My little guy comes to me and he says, Dad, would you bless me with a hammer? That. See, it's really important what's next, right? Right? Would you bless me with a hammer that? I can teach Sister Haven a lesson. Okay, no, you're not getting a hammer. Dad, would you, would you give me a hammer, Dad, that I might fix Mom's china cabinet? No, no, you're not getting a hammer. Dad, would you give me a hammer that I can learn to pound a nail in some old scrap wood out in the backyard with safety goggles on? Okay, maybe you get a hammer. It's probably still not a good idea. I'll probably give it, though, all right? The that is incredibly important, okay? So what is the that, all right? You and I are invited. Bonnie, Bonnie, you're invited. Today, you can go home and say, God, would you bless me? God, would you, would you send down your riches on me? God, would, would, would you pour out your favor? Would you give me your resources? It's important. Why, right? There's this uh, famous mission story in our in our church. I'm not going to tell you who it is because he'll dispute that it didn't happen this way. Okay? And so I don't want to get in an argument. I don't want him to have to, you know. So, but anyway, so I'm going to leave out his name. But there's this guy who's gone on mission trips in Mexico. And, and he, uh, you know, in Mexico, whenever you're at the end of the church or when you're going to church or wherever, you say, Dios de bendiga, you know, God bless you. you know, that's the, like the, cur- you know, the courtesy greeting. You know, in, in Romania, it's pace. And, you know, it's, everybody kind of got there. I don't know that we have one. But anyway, uh, all Spanish speakers, that, that's the Dios de bendiga. Well, anyway, he got his Spanish mixed up. And so as the team is leaving, you know, they're driving out of the village in the back of the truck. 
instruction. He's waving and he's, he's saying in Spanish what he thinks is God bless you, but actually it's God bless me, you know. So here, here goes the rich American pulling out of the Mexican village. God bless me. God bless me, you know. So, so unless you have the right that, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's pretty important, right? So is that what we're doing? Is we're just, you know, God bless me, God bless me. Well, the important thing is we, we are doing it that, okay, this makes all the difference. Verse 2, that your way may be known on earth, that you're saving power among all nations. All right, now that makes all the difference. So the psalmist is praying, God, would you send down your resources? God, send down your favor. God, send down your blessing. Send down your joy. Send down your faith. Send down, reveal yourself that your way may be known on earth. You're saving power among all the nations. Because here's the reality. The world is full of people who don't know who God is. And the God they think they know is wrong. Right? That, that's, that's the reality. There's a world full of people who don't know who God is. I got to interview this lady in North Africa. She is maybe the finest Christian I've ever met in my life. And, and, and she became disillusioned with Islam. Real high performer gal. She was getting her PhD in electrical engineering um, before she became a Christian. Then she lost it all. You know, they wouldn't let her go back to school. They wouldn't let her finish her degree. But she, she was doing that. And, and she became disillusioned with Islam. She began to read about how Muhammad had married a six-year-old girl and all the, all the slaughter and the genocide and the deaths. And she just began to really struggle with Islam. And she came to a point where she had said, God, if this is who, really who you are, I, I don't want you. You know? And she began to think about, well, what else is there? And then she thought, well, maybe Christianity. But she said, I had this immediate gut reaction. No, there's no way I can become a Christian. Because you know, you know what she knew about Christianity? The only thing she knew about Christianity was from the French tourists who came. This was before ISIS. ISIS kind of fixed the tourism problem there. But, but before, before they used to come. And, and all she knew was that the French tourists would come and, 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 and vacation there on, on the Mediterranean. And they would be on the topless beach. And they would, uh, they would drink to excess and they were just you know full of sin and debauchery and 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 the thought of becoming a christian just revulsed her because that's all she knew about christianity let me tell you something folks that's not christianity okay right you and i know that but you know what there's a world full of people that don't know that and you would think that in america that would be different it's still there are pockets in of america of people who don't know anything about christianity i was on a plane and i struck up a witnessing conversation with the lady and you know what i could not get in the front door until we cleared something up you know what you know what she asked me right away i mean i'm trying to get to the gospel you know what she wants to know she wants to know what i think of donald trump you know and, and, and listen, you know why she, you know, because in her mind, all evangelical Christians were just like him, you know, in her mind, well, is it, you guys are voting, so this must be your, your hero, this must be what you're like, you know, you must treat your wives, you know, I mean, I'm sure in her mind, she's thinking how many wives you had, you know, and, and like I had to clear up right away, listen, let me tell you who I am, let me tell you what we believe. All right, let me, let me tell you what I believe about this election. You know, it's like you got this rancid worm-eating piece of meat. You can have it, or you can have this old piece of bologna that's, you know, nine months old and got fur all over it. I don't want to eat either one, you know. Now, I, I got to do something, and so you try to pick the best one. But that, that's kind of, you know, after, after I, I said that, there was a wall that came down. She's like, oh, okay, really, you're not that. Well, I'd, I'd be interested in knowing what you are. There are pockets of people around the world who know zero about God. They don't know who he is. They don't know who Jesus is. They don't know what he's done. They don't know his love. They don't know his grace. They don't know his, his mercy. They have wrong ideas about God. And can, can you just imagine what that is like for God? 
Okay, now I've had one time in my life, actually I've had a bunch of time in my life where I've been slandered, but I had one time in my life that really hurt. I think I've told you about it before. Is it, it was when I was in college, and uh, these people did these pranks on the theology students, and they, they would use our name and call around and say all kinds of horrible things. And so there were people that thought that I'd said those horrible things. And I can't tell you how, how that, that hurt me, you know, to know that these people think that that's what I am. Can you imagine the God of the universe who is holy, who is good, the creator of all things, the giver of every good gift, and there's a world full of people that don't know anything about him, and what they do know about him is wrong. That, that's, that, that's the world that we live in. By the way, uh, let, me, let me tell you the, some of the rest of that lady's story. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you two or three sections here of it, okay? She, she, got, she gets a hold of Scripture. You know what she gets a hold of? She, she types the Bible in, 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 uh, in, in God in, in, in her search engine, and, and she gets a hold of a little piece of Scripture, and she reads in the Old Testament that God is the God of, he, he's a God who's a father to widows and orphans. Guess what? She grew up without a father. She grew up without a father in a place where it was shameful not to have a father. And so she grew up with this shame upon her that she did not have a father. It actually drove her to excel in every area of life to try to find some sense of identity. And she reads that passage, and she reads it over and over again. And she says, in my heart, there was this fire that was kindled that said, could this be who God is? Could there really be a God who's a father to widows and who's a father to orphans who would take care of them, who would love them? Could there really be a God like that? But she didn't know anybody. She didn't know another Christian. She didn't know anybody who knew the Bible. All she had was that little verse, that little piece of the Bible that she'd read off the internet. And so she went to bed that night after fasting and praying and in a dream, she had a dream and there was a a, a hand that that reached out to her and the hand said this. I'm going to read it so I don't mess it up because I wrote it out of my journal. It said this. It said, don't be afraid. I am am okay now those of you know the bible that's cool stuff isn't it you know why because when god revealed himself to moses in the burning bush what did he say moses said what's your name and the god of the universe said i am right that's what he said in john chapter 8 verse 58 when jesus is arguing with the pharisees he said before abraham was I am, right? And now this lady has a dream. And in the dream, there's a hand that reaches out. She's asking, could there really be a God who's a father to widows and who's a father to orphans? And the God of the universe speaks to her in a dream and says, don't be afraid, I am. And so she starts seeking and she becomes a believer. And now she is maybe the boldest, most fearless soul winner I've ever met in my life, all right? That's what Psalm 67 is about. Imagine nations full of people just like that who don't know who God is. And so Psalm 67 is saying, Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church, you need to ask. You need to come boldly to God and say, God, would you bless us? You know, unashamedly, God, would you pour out your resources on us? Would you pour out your your, your spirit on us? Would you reveal yourself? Would you smile down on us? That... Not so that we can live out a quiet life in luxury and anxiety free and die a, 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 a nice death and be buried and go to heaven someday. No, that the nations would know who you are. That the peoples of the earth would know what kind of God you are. That you're a God who saves. You see, there's a clear connection between Psalm 67.1 and Psalm 67.2. Verse 1 says, ask God to give you it all. And then verse 2 it says, so that you can make known who he is to the nations. So that you can tell about his saving power. You can demonstrate with your life who the God of the heavens is. It's show and tell. Haven understands show and tell. She does it every week. 
She always tells me on the way to school what she's got for show and tell. This week it was a, a, a doll spoon. Hannah and her made a, you take a little like a ladle or whatever, a spoon, and you make a little doll out of it. She took that for show and tell, all right? You know what show and tell is? This is show and tell. Psalm 67 is show and tell. God shows you who he is. God shows you his mercy. God shows you Jesus. And what do you do? You tell, right? You tell them God's way. You tell them about sin, how, how God hates sin, how sin is rooted in unbelief and it's rooted in not believing, not trusting, not wanting the God who is and chasing after all kinds of junk that will never satisfy your soul. That's the way of God. You tell them about God's way of loving us even while we were in our sins and sending Jesus, his son, to be our representative, the promised one, the one whose life and truth and joy and glory. You tell them of God's way of sending Jesus to experience everything that we experienced yet without sin you tell him how he lived a life that we couldn't live and then he died a brutal death in our place to pay for our sins and on the third day God raised him from the dead you tell him how God will save he will save you in Jesus just like he saved Abraham and just like he saved Noah and that God is a God who saves you tell them of God's glorious deeds of his saving power and so really the question that we got to stop right here at this point in the message and ask ourselves is Are we doing that, right? We are people, hopefully, I hope you are, I'm one, who have said, God, would you bless me? And he has. We are people who have said, God, would you pour down your grace on us? And he has. We are people who have said, God, would you show us your face? Would you smile down upon us in in righteousness, in injustice, and in mercy? And he has done that. And now the question is, what are we doing with that? Let me tell you the common American answer. And by the way, I have not found this anywhere else in the world. I've not been every place. I didn't find it in Romania. I didn't find it in India. I certainly didn't find it in India. I didn't find it in North Africa. I didn't find it. I've not found this anywhere else in the world. You know what the American answer is? I don't know quite enough. I don't know enough. You know, I'll probably tell somebody about Jesus, but not before I've had some classes. You know? We need to have some discipleship. We need to go to Sunday school for, I don't know, 30, 40 years, maybe, you know? Until I got all the answers, know it all, then maybe. We were just in an Islamic police state where sharing about Jesus could get you killed. And it is the first step in the Christian life. It actually, interestingly enough, and I, I, this, this just blows me away. It's hard to get my head around it. It's actually before you become a Christian. So whenever, whenever they find these people that are disillusioned with Islam and that are seeking and the guys begin to work on it, you know what they do? They say, oh, we want to meet with you. Let's meet. Let's go meet at a coffee shop. Bring a friend. Bring your brother. Bring your sister. Bring your friend. Bring, bring somebody. We're gonna, and then when they get there, they give them a copy of the book of Matthew. They're like, all right. So we, we can tell God's at work. And so we want you to go home. And we want you to read this. We want you to read this with your family. Why don't you read this with your friends? Is that not risky? You, you know how I'd have done it? Go home and read this in the closet. Right? That's, that's, that's not biblical. I, I, I would have done it wrong. I'm thankful for these. No, no, no. They're telling No, you, go, you go, go, go get some people. You read this, and then if you still want to talk, then you get back and we'll, we'll meet again. Okay? But, but it, they, they plant in them the DNA that what it means to be a Christian is to receive this mother load of blessing upon your life forever and then you go out and you tell you go out and you share it you go out you 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 tell everybody and and why wouldn't that be the way it is have you ever noticed that when someone has something burning in them when they got something really great that happens 
They always tell it. Not only do they tell it, but they will find a way to work it into conversation. You know, I, I talk to people and they're like, well, I just don't know how to work it into conversation. You know, you do too. You know that. Because you do it with everything else. Everything else in your life. One of you, let's say you're on a business trip this next week and you get in an elevator in a motel. Door opens. Somebody else gets on. You just realize that Michael Jordan, that famous basketball player, just got on the elevator with you. You ride 20 floors up. You talk to him. Ask him who he is. Get, you know, he signs your head. Something like that, you know. <laughs> Some fun thing. Do you tell anybody? Oh, you, you would be so shameless about working that into every conversation. Would you not? You'd get to your small group that night. Hey, anybody have anything interesting happen to him? Well, you know, I was talking with Michael Jordan the other day. And, you know, right? You'd go to work and, like, none of the guys know. It, it'd kill you. It'd kill you that they don't know, you know? So you'd be in there and you'd be like, hey, Ralph, those new shoes? He'd be like, I don't know, I guess. You know, I got them a couple weeks ago. He'd be like, well, I think the next pair of shoes I'm getting is Air Jordans, you know, because I was on the elevator with Michael Jordan the other day and uh, we were talking, right? I mean, you'd just smooth as silk. You'd work it right in, right? You'd be, it'd be Friday and you'd be out, you know, eating somewhere and you'd be like, hey, is Woodward playing basketball tonight? The basketball season started yet? You know, I'm just wondering, nobody's called me because I think I'm the only guy in town that's visited with Michael Jordan in the last month or so. By the way, did I tell you that? It's on, you know, you'd be watching a football game. You'd be watching OSU or OU play football, and, and you'd be there with your buddies, and you'd say, you know what, guys? On TV, they look so much smaller than they actually are in real life. You know, I was in the elevator the other day with Michael Jordan, and he looks a lot taller. He's really a lot taller than he looks on TV. I mean, you'd just slick as anything. You'd get it in there. I, I, I see you guys do this, you know? You, something about your grandkids, somebody, man, you just find a way to work that in. You don't even have to try. You don't need a class. Nobody needs to teach you that. You don't go to college to learn that. You know how to talk about the things that you love, right? You always find a way to share if it's on your heart, if you love it. I was on a plane the other day. Uh, I think we were going to Germany. I sit down, and this lady sits down beside me. I introduce myself. Hey, I'm Jason. You know, she, she, uh, she's from USA, too. Hey, wow. You know, I'm where are you from? Northern California. What are you doing here in Europe? You know, she says, well, I'm, I'm traveling around. and finding Jewish communities. I'm Jewish, and I'm finding these Jewish communities, and we're, you know, building infrastructure and stuff in the Jewish community. I'm like, ching, ching, you know? I mean, it's like God just gave me like this little, you know, sometimes it's a fast pitch. You got to really try hard. It was just like a slow lob, you know? I'm just like going like this. This is going to be a home run, you know? And so I'm like, oh man, I, I don't get to talk to Jewish people very much. Would you answer some questions for me? She said, sure. You know, I said, oh, here's what I'm really, I, I always wanted a Jewish perspective on this. But in the Bible, in Exodus, you know, it talks about the Passover, you know, when God was delivering the children of Israel out of Egypt. And, and when he does that, he has them sacrifice a lamb and he has them put the blood above the doorpost. You see where I'm going, don't you, right? Huh? But with the blood above the doorpost, I'm like, so what do the Jewish people think about that? Like, how do you guys interpret that? Like, what do you think is the symbol, symbolism of sacrificing a lamb and putting it over the doorpost? Right? You see where I'm going, right? I'm, I'm getting ready to go in for the kill. You know what she does? She deflates me. You know, you know what she says next? I, 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 if you'd have given me a thousand guesses to what she would have said, I'd never guessed this. She says, well, she says, I actually don't believe that any of that ever happened. And I said, now hold on, you may, let me get this straight. You're a Jew, she, yes. And I said, and you're a pretty devout Jew because you're traveling all over Europe, you know, to you know, build up these Jewish communities. She said, yes. And I said, and you don't believe that anything in the Jewish Bible, the Old Testament, happened to your people? And she said, no. She said, I'm from Northern California. 
you know, she says most, most, mostly what kind of we believe, you know, Northern California is, you know, just, just, you know, do good things, social activism, you know, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, we, we got to her, but it took a while, you know, we had to go around the bend, you know, I had to ask question after question about, you know, well, tell, tell me about what you believe about this, what, what, you know, finally I got to the question that I really wanted to ask, I said, well, what, who's your authority, you know, you're doing all these good things, right and wrong, you know, you, you hate th- this political party and this, and, you know, she told me all this stuff, and I said, well, so wh- where's your authority for that, I said, do you guys get together there in Northern California and kind of decide what's right and wrong, you know, do you, do you vote on it, or how does that work, you know, and she said, well, no, and I said, so, so pretty much you just decide for yourself, and she's like, yeah, and so then I go in for the kill, I kind of pause a little bit, and I said, so, so basically you're your own God, and she's like, I had never thought of that, so anyway, then David chipped in and shared the gospel. Here's what I'm telling you. We find a way, don't we? We find a way to share what's important with us. On a practical level, no one who's seen the glorious things can keep them quiet. You can, you can keep boring things quiet. I mean, who, who talked to, Who's going to share today in your small group about trimming your toenails this last week? Yeah. If you do, I hope you're not in my small group, you know. <laughs> we can keep those things quiet. But then let me ask you, where, where, where does Jesus paying for your sins through a brutal death, resurrecting from the dead, ascending into the heavens to create a new heavens and a new earth where there will be fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore, where does that fall in your mind? Is that an important thing? Is that a like blazingly awesome thing? I, how can you not share it? How can you not tell if you've been blessed? Back to my conversation with this North African lady. I said, well, I said, Does, do your neighbors know that you're a Christian? That's a good question, right? I thought it was. She said, of course they know. I told them. And I said, well, <laughs> how'd that go, you know? And she said, well, you know. It's against the law to be converted here. And so, you know, she's had a little trouble with the police and, you know, some things like that. But she said, you know, my, my neighbors see my life. And I said, well, weren't, weren't you afraid? You know, you've got two girls, two little girls. Weren't you afraid for your family? Aren't you afraid, you know, of what might happen? And she kind of has a puzzled look and she leans over and she says, but I have eternal life. I have eternal life. Why would we not share? She said, I've stepped into life. I want my neighbors to know. Let's keep going. Verse 4. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. You know what's really cool to me? Is that God blesses us in order that we might share who He is. That we might share of His saving power to all the nations. And what does that do when it hits people? What does what your message of the gospel do in people's lives? Well, verse 4 says, let the nations be glad. Let them sing for joy. The result of our work to take the gospel to our community and to our nation and to the nations of the world is songs of joy, shouts of joy, eternal happiness among the nations. You know, I, I was just thinking about this the other day. I, I like to make people happy. Don't you like to make people happy? I mean, who in here does not like to make people happy? Who in here does not like to tell a funny story that, you know, makes everybody have a little bit of joy? Who in here does not like to give a gift 
you know, that, that is a real blessing. Who in here does not like to, you know, show somebody or have some news, you know? How, how, do you like to be the guy that, you know, brings the news of some great happening, great joy, some great thing? We all love that. Right? And the reason we all love that is because we love to bring joy to people. The Bible is telling us there is a dark, hopeless world out there, and you've got the message of joy. You've got the message of eternal life. You've got the message of Jesus forgiving your sins, making you right, filling you with his righteousness, providing you a place where there's a new heavens and a new earth. You have that joy. And the gospel that brings joy to the dark nations of the world is brought to the dark nations of the world by people of joy, all right? Do you see the implication of that, all right? So verse, verse 1 says, God bless us. God, shine your face upon us. Verse 2, so that, you may, so that we might tell the nations who you are. And then verse 4 says, when the nations find out who you are, they're going to have great joy. They're going to have glad songs of joy. Now, now reason this out with me. If, if believing the gospel, embracing the gospel, brings great joy, then doesn't it make sense that those who believe and embrace the gospel and take it to other people will be people of joy? It's got to be that, doesn't it? How, 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 can, how, can, how can somebody who doesn't have great joy bring a message that brings great joy? That doesn't make sense. And, and so here it is, okay? Those who bring the, 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 the gospel to the nations must be people of joy. Tim Keller said this. This, this. this was a good enough quote to make it in the back of my Bible. Okay, there's only about six or seven quotes a year that make it in, in the back of my Bible. This one made it in the back of my Bible. Okay, Tim Keller said this. You have to be happy enough to do missions. You have to be happy enough to do missions. Man, that, that was profound to me. Sat, you know, grumpy people are bad advertisements for Jesus, Right? If the gospel brings life, if the gospel brings eternal joy, if the gospel brings a a reconciling relationship with the God of this universe, if the gospel means I'm tethered to Jesus, and just like that lady that I interviewed in North Africa, I can't really die. I've got eternal life. If that's what the gospel means and if we believe that, then how can we be cynical, angry, bitter, gripey, murmuring, grumpy, edgy people? Now, I know that we'll be that every once in a while. Some of you are that when, when, before you got your coffee, all right? But once you get your coffee, you ought to step into joy because of what Christ has done in your life. One of the verses that we're memorizing together is um, the, the kids that I take to school in the morning. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 says, Do all things without grumbling or complaining, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Do you see that? Paul's saying you shine as a light in the world amidst a crooked, twisted generation. And so, do all things without grumbling and complaining. Why? Because you're an advertisement for the gospel. We proclaim God's ways, we proclaim His saving power, that we might bring joy to the nations. And number two, that we might bring hope to the nations. Look at verse 4. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For, this is important for, for you judge God, this is talking to God, God you judge the people with equity and you guide the nations upon the earth. You know what that's saying? That's saying God is a good judge. God is a good king. God's going to set things right. All right, that's what God's going to do in the world. He's going to make all things new. Revelation 21.5, God is making all things new. Do you know how hungry people are everywhere in the world for things to be made right? They are. 
Man, everywhere in the world, right here in wooded Oklahoma, then there are people who are suffering under the injustices of life, under the, the darkness, that damage that sin brings, under the horrific collateral de- devastation of sin in families' lives. And you know how hungry people are to know that God is going to make those things right. And verse 4 is telling you, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For God, you judge the people with equity. You guide the nations upon the earth. God is fixing all of this. That's what's happening. It's going to happen. He's going to bring it about. And we're a part of that right now. In fact, you know what the church ought to be? Think of the church in this way. The church is a little bitty glimpse of God beginning to fix things. You know why? Because he fixed you. He fixed us. Right? And we're not perfect yet, but we're being fixed. We're being sanctified. And, and so the gospel is a picture of when, when justice will reign and when love is the norm and when hospitality and community and friendship saturated society. You are a coming attraction of that. You're a preview. Okay? You're a preview of what God is going to do in the new heavens and the new earth. That's what the church ought to be. That's what we share with the nations. Now, Again, the world's going to come back at us and they're going to say, you Christians, you know, hey, we get that you want to believe what you're going to believe and you're going to believe in this Jesus and you're going to, you know, all that, that's all fine. But why don't you just leave everybody else alone, you know? Hey, India is a Hindu nation. Why don't you just leave India alone? Hey, North Africa is a Muslim, Muslim area. Why don't you just leave them alone? Why do, why do you guys got to go and try to convert? Well, first of all, we know the God of the universe, okay? Everything I just said is the reason why, okay? We're bringing joy to the nations. But let me, let me tell you even the overarching uh, arcing reason for that, and that's because it has always been God's plan that the gospel would go to every dark place in the earth, okay? Way back in Genesis chapter 12 when God appeared to Abraham and we get this first glimpse of a coming Messiah. You know what he said to Abraham? Let me read it to you. Genesis 12, 1. And now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you and I will make of you a great nation and listen to this and i will bless you and make your name great now what do you think he's going to say next don't read it what do you think he's going to say next i will bless you and i will make your name great you know what he says next so that you will be a blessing it's not different it's the same god says i'm going to pour into you so that you would pour into others i will make you a blessing And then he goes even further, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Do you see that it's always been God's plan, that his gospel, the Messiah Jesus, news of him would penetrate every dark part, every dark corner of planet earth. After Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected, he gave one final commission to his apostles. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he says that you're going to receive power. That's grace right there. That's blessing. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you and you're going to be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem, absolutely. And in all Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. In other words, the nations has always been God's plan. God will not rest until the gospel of Jesus is spread to every tongue and every tribe and every nation. God will not rest until there are songs of joy that are sung from every people group around the planet we woke up every morning at 5 20 a.m to this loud moan we had our window open this loud moan of the muslim call to prayer this 
song, you know. And then it would begin to echo throughout the thousands of mosques in that, in that valley and just permeate the air. And I just kept thinking of the passages like this that say that glad songs of rejoicing will someday come from every pocket and every corner, every dark place in the earth. Where there are no songs of praise, there's going to be songs of praise. There are dark places on the planet where God is not known, where He is not loved, where He is not celebrated by those who have His riches and His salvation. And and the gospel is going to get there, my friends. It's going to get there. It is coming. It will happen. It will permeate every place on the earth. How do I know that? The Bible tells me that. It will go there through the courage of young women who think not of their safety or their security, who are not consumed with the things of this earth, but in whom blazes an unquenchable desire for the glory of God. The gospel will go to every tongue and every tribe and every nation through young men who give up self-advancement and use their strength and their relentless energy to push the gospel through the enemy lines to the dark places of the earth. The gospel will go to every corner of the earth through old women who are not content to slowly fade through life and into eternity, but who will give the last season of their life to tear down the strongholds of the enemy with prayer. It will happen through old men who have the spirit of Caleb, who demand the opportunity in their old age to slay the giant of lostness, who will not go out quietly, who will not piddle away their last lap of life, but who will use their wisdom and their resources for one great last push to the nations. It will happen how do i know it will happen revelation chapter 7 revelation chapter 7 john sees this at the end after i looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from every tribe from every people and language standing before the throne and before the lamb it will happen it's right there clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. That's going to happen. It's going to make it. And the question is, will we be those young men? Will we be those young women? Will we be the old men? Will we be the old women who take the gospel to the ends of the earth? Will that be us? Every time that a pastor speaks of the nations in America, there's always... A pressing question. I've heard it hundreds of times. Every pastor I talk to has heard it. And it's this question. But pastor. What about right here? What about right here? Let me assure you of something. Nobody ever aims for the nations. And misses their backyard. It does not happen. Now, some people don't aim for the nations and they don't hit their backyard. Man, I can give you a million of those. But nobody ever, nobody ever wears out the knees of their pants praying for the nations and doesn't pray for their neighbor. 
Nobody ever has the boldness to travel to the darkest places of the earth to share the good news of Jesus with great joy and forgets about the guy across the street. When you aim for the nations, you hit everybody in between. That's really what you're saying. You're saying Acts 1-8. We're going to go to Jerusalem. We're going to go to Judea. We're going to go to Samaria. We're going to go to the ends of the earth. But here's the deal. When you aim for the nations, you get the power of God thrown in. Isn't that what Psalm 67 is saying? God, be gracious to us. God, fill us with you. Load us down with the riches, God. God, bless us. Fill us to the top with joy. God, make your face shine on us. Reveal yourself. And then we'll take you to the nations. But let me tell you, folks, I don't think we should be foolish enough to think that God will load us up to go nowhere. You think God will do that? Do you think God will fill our tanks up so we can leave the car in the garage? I don't think he will. I don't think he will. John Piper said this, if God blesses his people for the sake of the nations, then God is most likely to bless us when we are planning and longing and praying to bless the nations. God fills you up with the fullness of God, with the energy of God, with the hope of God, with the joy of God. And then as you aim for the nations, you know where you go? You go to your backyard, then you go across the street, then you go down the road, and then you go to your state, and then you go to your, your country, and then you go to the ends of the earth. But listen, if our prayer goes something like this, God be gracious to us. God, fill us with your riches. Fill us with your, your power. God, fill us with joy. God, make us happy in Christ. Shine your face on us. God, so that we can go home and we can, we can enjoy that in front of our television. And God, would you please make us healthy so that we can live a long time and watch a lot of shows. And do lots of recreation. And then God, would you be gracious enough, God, to take us home in our sleep. So that we don't have to experience any pain. And bring us to heaven. You be, I mean, I can't speak for God. What do you think? Is he going to answer that? I don't know. Not according to Psalm 67. There's an interesting verse that we don't have time to look at, but can I just throw it out at you? And then you, you grapple with it, okay? Verse, verse 6. The earth has yielded its increase. I know, what, what is that? What, what is that when the earth yields its increase? It's harvest, right? When the earth yields its increase, that's harvest. Okay? God, our God, shall bless us. God's going to do it. He's going to bless us. God shall bless us, verse 7. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Okay, so harvest, God's going to bless us, and then all the ends of the earth will fear him. Now, here's my question. Is that, is that harvest, is that referring to just the harvest of souls? So is that kind of the end of the psalm, and it's saying, hey, guess what's going to happen? As, God, as you pray that God would fill you up, and you go to the nations, and it's going to penetrate to every corner of the planet, and there's going to be this great harvest of souls. That may very well be what it means. 
because um, that's a biblical image, right? Psalm 938, or not Psalm, Matthew 938, uh, pray the Lord of the harvest, you know, send workers out. I mean, that's a, that's a biblical thing. That's true. I, I don't know if it means that or if it's actually being literal. Cause, and this is interesting to me. If it's being literal, then it's saying, like, like Israel's saying, God, would you bless us? And God's making their crops grow. And he's prospering them as a community. He's prospering them as a nation. God's prospering his people as, as people so that the ends of the earth would fear him. Now that's interesting. That, gives, that gets my wheels turning. You know what I start thinking? I start thinking, why does a teacher in America make 30000 a year and a teacher in Romania makes 3000 a year? Why does a farmer in America make 100000 a year and a farmer in India makes $300 a year? Isn't that interesting? I could go on and on. Like, like what, what is it? How'd that happen? We are blessed, Gene. Now the question, why are we blessed? Well, my, my, my question is further than that, though. Like, for what purpose are we blessed? I think that's right. I mean, what if this whole American deal, what if, have you guys realized that we get to live in the greatest nation? In my opinion, I, I know people could argue this, but I, I think we live in the greatest place on the planet Earth. Why did you get to do that? Why do you get to make so much more than everybody else? Why? The poor in America make more money than, than the well-to-do in most other countries. Why did that get to be? I just wonder if Psalm 67 is telling us why. That for this brief period of time, God has poured out not only spiritual riches, but also physical riches in order that we might take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And that this whole deal might be wrapped up. Are you ready for that? That's what Jesus said in Matthew, didn't he? He said that the gospel will go to every tongue, tribe, and nation, and then the end will come. Let that be us. Father, I just thank you for blessing us. God, I look around full of people that have been blessed, people that know you, people that know your ways, people that know your saving power, people that, Lord, we are the people that have been forgiven. God, we're the people that have been justified. We're the people that have eternal life. God, you have blessed us not only spiritually, but also physically. God, you bless us with freedom. You blessed us in so many ways. God, thank you, thank you, thank you. And God, I ask you, Father, Now send us. God, send us with your gospel. Send our young women. God, send our young men. God, send our old women. Send our old men. Send us to our knees. God, send us us on airplanes. Send us on buses. Send us in cars. Send Send us with your message. Let the nations be glad.